0: for tuning in on this Wednesday, April the 1st. I wish this coronavirus was a April Fools joke. Unfortunately, it is reality and we are all stuck with it at the moment. And uh, it is it is a bit frustrating. Um, it has disrupted uh, life around the world. It is uh caused families to say goodbye to loved ones it has hurt businesses affected jobs it's uh it's not a joke and uh the the unfortunate uh situation that we're dealing with um is is has not subsided so far and it looks like we're going to be uh dealing with it for a little while longer uh unfortunately uh, but uh, that is the reality of what we're dealing with, and it is it is hard to believe. It's already April, um, to twenty twenty, and uh, today um, is is a day that you know you, we wish we could just run around and and play a, a bunch of jokes on each other, and uh, and and it maybe is a day that you can still do that while social distancing. So. Uh, if you're able to bring a little sunshine and a little light and laughter into the world today, uh, with a with a good April Fool's joke, uh, you know, kudos to you, hats off to you, uh, because uh, I think the whole world needs a little bit of that today. Uh, last week, uh, we didn't get to a story that we wanted to cover, and we're gonna look at a little bit of it um, here at the top of the show today. Um, And uh, it's a look at uh, Gianni Infantino. He is the president of FIFA, the world governing body of soccer. And uh, the uh, caption says, hardly anyone batted an eyebrow when FIFA announced that a quote, normalization committee in quote, had been set up in Trinidad and Tobago, but the quick, Key question is this. Could this be nothing but an act of revenge from Gianni Infantino? Uh, this is by uh, Philippe Auclair. Uh, this was uh, published on uh, JosemartFootball.com. In football government governance, the procedure known as normalization usually follows a well-traveled route. A local F.A. encounters critical financial, political, or governance problems, contravening its own statutes in the process, as well as those of FIFA's, which then has no other choice than to suspend the administration in place and take over the running of its affairs. It is a depressingly common occurrence, which, is a, which has affected countries as diverse as Uruguay, Benin, Kuwait, Argentina, Mali, Greece, and many others in the recent past. So depressingly common, in fact, that hardly anyone batted an eyelid when FIFA, following a fact-finding mission, which had taken place in February, added Trinidad and Tobago to the list of member associations under normalization on March 17th of this year. Trinidad and Tobago, the former playground of disgraced FIFA um, penjandrum, Jack Warner, not exactly a surprise, is it? This uh, article goes on to talk about how, um, and we're going to get into some more details on this, but uh, uh, probably either later today or in the show or, or tomorrow, um, that uh, Gianni's Preferred candidate did not win uh, an election, and and he stepped in, and it it paints Infantino in a bad light for sure. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to to highlight here at the very top is this whole idea of normalization when it comes to FIFA. You can make the argument that the U.S. Soccer Federation. Is if you were to if you were FIFA and you were really to dig in to um, FIFA and in in its statues U.S. soccer and its statues, you could make the argument that U.S. soccer needed at the very least some some heavy-handed guidance from FIFA. It's not coming from FIFA and uh, that was made clear in the Court of Arbitration and Sport case. So, the situation with Trinidad and Tobago, as we're going to get into uh, today, tomorrow, uh, is a a situation that uh, is alarming in terms of FIFA's intervention in this case. Uh, It is also a situation where we look at our own federation And just see how much uh, has been going wrong for so long. And it's what makes um, those who have been involved in leadership for so long, uh, it's so disappointing that that it's not a a bold vision to change. It's not a, there's not a, a big desire to change. Uh, by and large, the, from the leadership standpoint, to, to, to correct the issues that we're seeing. Uh, we have uh, all kinds of FIFA compliance issues, and the, it goes beyond that. It goes into just the culture of the federation, the culture of leadership, uh, the, the internal structure of the federation, uh, the membership, uh, voting weight. Uh, you know, there there are uh, all types of scenarios where the federation, if you were to, to get an organizational audit, it is just not running efficiently. And it's not running well. And it's not running for the benefit of all of its members. It is running for a, a select few members. And everyone else who is at or near the top are are essentially in a situation where they are forced to to go along, or they don't get a paycheck. Uh, it is it's it's an, it's it's an issue um, that goes beyond just one simple thing. Here, people think that there's one little fix to this federation. It's not. There's a lot of things that have to change. A lot of things that need to be corrected. A lot of things that, uh, quite frankly, are. Disturbing, alarming. Um, and we talk about those a lot on the show. And it's, 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 it every time you go into, you know, this committee or you look at how this, uh, you know, project is run or this program is administered, you see the overall culture and the overall issues plaguing the Federation show, uh, show themselves time and again. So it doesn't matter, like, you know, if, if we get this one thing right, is it going to stay right without systemic change? And that requires, you know, leadership change. And doubling down, like we we did recently with Will Wilson uh, coming in from Wasserman Media Group and, and his deep ties with Don Garber and Soccer United Marketing and MLS, that's that's not a step in the right direction. That isn't from an optic standpoint. That's doubling down on the the aspects of the federation that need to be corrected. And so to bring in a leader from there and claiming that is where we need to go, that's troubling. And um so it, it is all um it is all an, is, an issue to me where we need to do better, we need to get better, etc. cetera. So uh, we'll get into more of that uh, either later in the show or tomorrow. Coming up uh, here after the break, we're excited to have on the captain of our U.S. men's uh, deaf national team. Um, and we, uh, Trip Neal is going to join us here in just a moment. And uh, and excited to, to learn about his story and learn uh, about USA deaf soccer and and what they're doing to uh to bring the game um and 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 raise the game and and I I heard him speak um at the AGM in Nashville uh about a month and a half ago and uh and I wanted to bring him on to for him to tell his story as well as tell the story of uh his national team. So uh that's coming up right after the break. Uh our sponsor this half hour is Ductic Brand, D-U-K-T-I-G, UKTIGbrand.com. There's never been a better time to uh to reorder if you if you already have some stock or if you've never placed an order to do that as well go to ducticbrand.com place an order use promo code dw show you'll get 10 percent off of that order and you're sitting there going what is he talking about what order am i am i placing you're going to go to ducticbrand.com and you're going to find great uh soccer journals soccer coaching notebooks uh resources apparel um, if you're serious about the game as a player or as a coach, a goalkeeper, whatever the case, you owe it to yourself to go to Ducticbrand.com and uh, and and buy you some of their waterproof paper. I mean that alone. Um, I know for some of you it might be hard to get outside, but uh, for others, uh, going and get stocked up for when you can get back outside. Do it today at Ducticbrand.com use promo code Dw show. You'll get 10% off of your order. We'll be right back with Trip Neal after this. back to the show thanks for tuning in on this wednesday april the first uh it is uh like i said at the top of the show it's a it's a bizarre world we're living in at the moment but we are all doing our best to uh to stay alive and stay healthy and uh and get through this and um just hope that uh, that you're you're following all the the government protocols and and everything to stay healthy and stay safe out there, uh, so that we can all come through this uh, and as uh, and and be as healthy and as as uh, safe as possible. Um, our our guest today we are really excited to have on the show is Trip uh, Neal, Trip Neil, Trip Neil uh, and he is the uh, captain of the U.S. Deaf Men's National team trip welcome to the show how are you today
1: thanks for having me daniel i'm doing great
0: so uh you're from uh dallas texas is that still where you're you're based out of
1: yep born and raised here and settled down as well
0: so um how how are things out in dallas before we get into all of our our soccer talk just to kind of give a give our audience a little bit of a, a a four one one on the area. How's the area holding up in terms of the the whole uh, COVID-19 situation and uh, how has that impacted your daily life uh, with everything uh, going on around the country and and quite frankly, around the world?
1: Uh, uh, Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. Dallas, I think uh, went into what they're calling a lockdown about 10 days ago. Um, you know, we've been kind of holed up in our house here uh, for a little while, my wife and my one-year-old daughter. So, uh, getting a little extra time with the family was just not a bad thing. Um, but uh, yeah, we stopped going to the, the, the stores and, and and that sort of thing. You know, kind of relying on Amazon to do its work. Um, but it's been it's been quiet, uh, to say the least.
0: Now. Let's, I want to go back. You, you're from Dallas. You, were uh, you're, you're still based out of there, but you, you grew up in, in a part of the country that, uh, you know, has a, a soccer history, um, has had a soccer presence for, for a long time. Um, you know, Texas, California, places like that, um, where What was your introduction to the game? Where did the connection to the sport of soccer come for you
1: um yeah my my uh my father got me into the game when I was four years old um, and our our team name uh was called the Sidekicks uh which we named after or he named after the professional indoor soccer team here in Dallas. Um, used to love going to those games growing up as a kid, so we had the same green jerseys that they had um, back when, uh, reunion was the, uh, the home court for those guys.
0: So getting into the game, uh, and, and playing what, what, uh, what about the sport kept you, you know, connected and, and wanting to play it for, you know, a long, long time. I mean, you, you could have played any sport, uh, in, 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 you know st- stuck with it what what about this the game of soccer really connected with you
1: um you know my father gave me kind of two two mottos early on which was one have fun whatever you're doing have fun and then two do your best um and so soccer was was obviously fun for me uh, at an early age and uh, it's uh it's fun when you're scoring goals and um, winning games so that, that kind of happened at an early age for me and um, fell in love with the game, um, enjoyed going like I said to the Dallas Sidekicks games and then um, loved the competitive nature of the sport, competing to win and um, get better whether that's you know by myself in my backyard or in practice or in games um, so I've always always loved that and uh, feel blessed even at the ripe young age of 35, to, uh, to still have two good legs and, and be able to play for the Deaf National Team.
0: So um, let, let's go through, you know, you, you, growing up, you played. Uh, did, you, did you play in high school? And, and, and where did your introduction and connection to the, the U.S. Deaf soccer, Deaf men's national team program, where did that connection come from later on?
1: absolutely um yeah so uh i, I joined a, a club team uh called the uh comets um comets 85 uh here in dallas uh, which has since morphed into the fc dallas umbrella uh, all of these uh club teams locally have kind of merged into you know some of the bigger clubs um my coach was uh, a german by the name of Horst Bertel. Uh, and he did a good job of positioning us for college opportunities. whether uh, That was the Disney Showcase, Dallas Cup, things like that nature. Um, so we, we got some exposure there. I also went to some ID camps myself. Um, ended up getting uh, an opportunity that I was in love with at Johns Hopkins University. Um, and so played my freshman year at Johns Hopkins. And then it was during my sophomore year. That I connected with a former deaf player on the Johns Hopkins University men's varsity team that wasn't playing when I was playing, but he connected with me um, and found out that I was deaf, and introduced me to the um, deaf national team, invited me for a tryout in 2004, um, and and then uh, in January of '05 I was in Australia representing USA at the the Deaflympics out
0: there. So uh, in terms of the, the Deaf soccer program, um, what was it like getting to wear uh, the jersey for the first time and kind of going uh, to the Olympics uh, for you? Uh, Had this been something that you dreamed about or was this something like you you learned about along the way And, and describe that experience for us? Oh, for,
1: for sure. Yeah. It was a childhood dream of mine to play for the national team. Obviously, I didn't know there was a deaf national team, um, but uh, yeah, I can remember, you know, running extra sprints or taking extra shots, saying, oh, if I make this or if I run this last one, that, that'll give me a better chance to make the national team. I did ODP growing up, so uh, that was fun uh, to be a part of the Texas State ODP team. Um but uh yeah, once once I got to uh to acquainted with the Deaf national team, I, I mean we had our I remember our first set of jerseys uh actually had our, our last name on it. So uh opening that from the wrap and uh, uh getting to to wear that and um you know just just be around other uh USA Deaf athletes at the Deaf Olympics, you know, getting to watch Deaf basketball and swimming and, and, and see what they're all about and, um, travel around the, the world. It, it, it felt amazing, absolutely unbelievable. And, um, the, the, the interesting part for me, uh, was, you know, I was, I wasn't born deaf. I became deaf when I was one and a half, did some deaf school and, and speech therapy until kind of the kindergarten, first grade level. Um, and then went mainstream. Uh, so this was my first introduction back into the deaf community, and and being a part of that, and getting to reengage and connect with with that part of my life that I had kind of uh, put aside for for uh, the time being. There.
0: In in terms of uh, I know, like with a Paralympic national team, I'm sure with with the the deaf national team. What what are the I, I don't know if the word qualifications is the right word to use here. So, you know, I'm, my question is, what qualifies someone to be, for example, on the deaf national team? I've, I mean, I, I'm trying to not ask the, the stupid question here, uh, but in terms of is it a certain amount of loss of hearing? Is it full deafness? Is it ha- what are the requirements to be in the program and a part of the team?
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, they, uh, they do a, a hearing test um, just like they do drug tests at these uh, competitions. And so uh, obviously we screen our players ahead of time uh, on the standard form that, that's required by the uh, international governing body for the deaf sports world. Um, the, the way that hearing test works is they only care about your better ear. Uh, so you they'll test both years, but the the better year is the one that needs to meet the threshold, right? Um and it's basically it's a it's a frequency test. You know, we've all taken those beat tests at the audiologist or wherever. Um, and it's a frequency test across three different ranges of frequencies five hundred, thousand, and fifteen hundred, which for layman's terms it's low frequency, medium, and high frequency. And your average score across those three three frequencies uh, needs to be 55 decibels or worse, meaning higher. So on average, you need sound to be 55 decibels to be able to hear it audibly, to pick it up. Um, But when we get into competition, what they do at the competition is they tell everyone uh, if they have a hearing device, which some people are deaf to the point where hearing devices don't even help them. uh, But if they do, they have to remove those hearing devices, quote, to level the playing field, um, which, so everyone's got those hearing devices removed. It's as if you're playing with earplugs in your ears and, uh, um, it's a level playing field at that point in time.
0: So, um, for you and your teammates, uh, you know, communication, how, how do you achieve that? And, and, uh, are there or have there been times with the way that you guys try to communicate with one another? Have there been times where that's proved difficult? Uh, Maybe certain environments, whether nighttime versus daytime or any of that, Uh, what what, what kind of, uh, um, you know, issues or challenges have you guys faced in the past when it comes to communicating as a team?
1: Yeah, communication is is key uh, in in any sport, right? Um, and we have we certainly have our challenges. Um, so, uh, give you a, a makeup of the team, uh, and, and and this is true for the the women's deaf national team as well, because we've got two programs under the uh, deaf soccer association. Um, but m- most of the players rely on on sign language, right? ASL. Um, There's a handful of players. Uh, like myself, who, who just don't use ASL, we, we we're able to get by with with a hearing aid or cochlear implant, and and, and aren't uh, engaged in the deaf community on a day to day basis where the ASL uh, is retained. Um, but uh, so yes, yeah, sign language, visual cues are key. And then we're, we've been very fortunate to have two uh, amazing volunteers. Uh, one with the the deaf men's team, which her name's Jackie Jones. Uh, she's based out of. Pensacola, Florida, and the other is uh, Amanda Newcomb uh, with the Deaf Women's National Program, the two interpreters uh, who literally they stand right next to the coach um, and interpret messages from the coach to the players and from the players back to the coach. Um, And so uh, every training camp we go to, every game, every practice, whatever it is, uh, team meeting, they are there uh, to help carry the message, the direction it needs to be carried. Um, And then as players, you know, we'll, uh, we'll we'll you know, eye contact during the game, using arms, motioning where you're going to be, where you want the ball. Um, most of us, just because we don't have a strong sense of hearing, have developed stronger senses of, of, of visual cues and that sort of thing. Um, and so we're able to kind of tell where someone might be or, or where the next best place to go with the ball might be. Um, yep.
0: So the the structure in terms of playing is it a is, when you guys go out to play and 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 as the national team are you playing uh, eleven v 11, 7 v seven uh, what what's the setup and 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 how has the team fared over you know the last few years?
1: Um, yeah, so we we play eleven v eleven. Uh, it's the exact same game you you see on TV with the the national teams, the, the hearing national teams, right? Um, uh, the, the only difference in our game, obviously, is all of our players can't wear hearing aids uh, so that they're all deaf on the, f- on the field. And then uh, the the center, the uh, referee carries a flag instead of a whistle. So there's a visual cue for when to, to stop play. Um, but, uh, you know, in terms of how we've fared over the last few years and, and quite honestly throughout history, it's it's... Almost exactly like the teams that you're familiar with—the women's national team and the men's national team. So, uh, on the men's side, we we will um, pull off the greatest upset uh, and you know just have the highest of highs, beat a team that we really don't have any business beating, uh, and then we'll do a Trinidad and Tobago—we'll lose to a team that we have absolutely no business losing to. So we kind of ride through that wave—the um, best we've ever finished is fourth place in the 2008 Deaf World Cup, uh, the, the big highlight there was, was beating an Italian team that had Serie B players on their team, uh, so some professional soccer players on their team. Uh, we beat them in uh, the quarterfinals, uh, and uh, which went into a shootout, overtime and a shootout, um, and then uh, ended up losing to Turkey in the semifinals there, uh, had a goal called back in overtime and then lost to them in uh, in penalties turkey then went on to lose in penalties in the final so we were kind of right there in 08 and then for the women's program just like we expect our women's national team on tv it, it, they're expected to win every game and, and they actually have so they've never lost an international match they've won two deaf world cups they've won three deaf olympics um and 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 they take care of business on and off the field they're a well-run program they find phenomenal deaf athletes to join their team they're well coached uh amy griffin is a uh a former uh national team player she was a national team goalie uh gold cup uh, a gold medal winner uh with the 91 squad and joy Fawcett, who's um also in the hall of fame uh here in Dallas. Uh, is the assistant coach and and they, I mean, they know how to win the gold. So they're a well-run team. They set the standard for kind of what not only deaf soccer should look like, but deaf sports, uh, in our country.
0: So let's, let's, let's go there. Let's talk about USA deaf soccer and the deaf soccer association. Um, what is the, the makeup of the organization and what is its status and role within the federation?
1: Sure. So uh, we we have a board. Uh, it's got nine members on the board. Uh, eight of the members are are players, deaf players. So uh, the, the guy who's handling our website is the deaf men's national team goalie. Um, the guy who's handling the, the finances is a, a deaf forward. Um, we've got um, a the, the one person who's not deaf is um, a woman by the name of Suzanne Anderson. Uh, She came in and joined our board, uh, all volunteers, um, 100%, um, came and joined our board uh, back in 2018 after she had met the Deaf Women's National Team at a training camp in, uh, I think it was San Antonio, Texas, so uh, kind of fell in love with the program and wanted to help out, and she had been involved uh, as a CEO of uh, Special Olympics, the the Texas chapter of Special Olympics, So, so knows her her way around a nonprofit and, and certainly how to help, um, you know, those, uh, in the, the around the level of sport that they want to play and that sort of thing. So we've been blessed to have her. She's done a phenomenal job for our program. Um, and so how we fit into the, uh, the various organizations, including us soccer. So, um, I guess I'll start at the top level at the top level. There's the, the, um, The IOC, right, that everyone knows about for the the Olympics and the the hearing world, Um, there's a a deaf equivalent of that called the ICSD, International Committee of Sports for the Deaf. So underneath the IOC is the US uh, USOPC, U.S. Olympics and Paralympic Committee that we all are aware of. And then on the deaf side, it's the USA Deaf Sports Federation, where all the deaf sports teams kind of roll up. So... Ah, uh, Deaf Soccer Association is a member of Deaf Sports Federation, um, which kind of sits at the same level as uh, you know the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee uh, on a, a, an org chart, if you will. We are also a member, like you pointed out, of U.S. Soccer Federation. Um, they've got bigger pockets and 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 better resources that kind of help our specific needs in, in the soccer world, um, and so uh, we sit. On the at-large committee within the U.S. Soccer Federation, um, and uh, we also have a seat on the Disability Soccer Committee. So, uh, not just deaf soccer, but there's obviously a lot of different soccer um, variations that engage and involve the um, the disability athlete um, in that in that world. So. Um, very proud to be a part of us soccer, uh, and the disability soccer committee. And, uh, those relationships that we've formed over the last five years have been beneficial to us in terms of finding players, finding locations to train, uh, raising awareness for a program. And then, uh, hopefully at some point raising some funds to keep this uh, thing going.
0: In terms of funding for USA deaf soccer, um, where where does your funding come from? How do people join your organization? Is it is it all outside sponsors? Do the players themselves have to foot the bill? Like what 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 is the the financial setup and, and funding sources for um, the the U.S. Uh, Deaf Soccer Association?
1: Yeah, we we struggle like a lot of nonprofits. Um, we struggle in that area. So uh, all of our finances uh come from from basically the players the players going out and fundraising uh with their their network their family their friends their communities um uh so we we typically like a typical cost to go to an international tournament um for a player is around five thousand bucks a player that includes you know all the air travel the, the the hospitality um the food the the facilities, the, the organizing that goes behind all that. Um, it does not include, obviously, the time away from their jobs or families or or school. But uh, um, so, so there's a, a big, hefty bill that, that's required to just be a part of the national team. Um, obviously, uh, if we can keep that bill lower or, or eventually get to the point where we're covered, uh, the, the pool of players that uh, can participate um, will grow dramatically. So, um, we have had, uh, an occasional sponsor or two, um, y- you know, whether it's, it's donating product like Gatorade has given us some product. Uh, the women's sports foundation has donated, uh, a, a, a little bit to our organization in the past. Um, there has been a company, uh, a coconut water company called Cocos Pure that, uh, helped us foot the bill for the, the Deaf World Cup in uh, 2012 in Turkey, uh, you know, with a it's a donation. But we don't have anything reliable right now, and we're always always looking and uh, happy to partner up with people that want to be a part of our mission.
0: So, in terms of the national teams it, it, uh, themselves, the 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 men, the deaf men's national team, and the deaf women's national teams, uh, are these officially uh, recognized by the United States Soccer Federation as official national teams for the federation uh, for concerning uh, you know deaf sports? Uh,
1: so, the so U.S. Soccer Federation has a a uh, a program called the extended national team program, uh, which, which has beach, futsal, Paralympics. Um, so we are not a part of the extended national team program, uh, yet, obviously, uh, if we can become a part of that program, then we would qualify for, um, money that's budgeted in the extended national team program, which would be a tremendous boost for our program, uh, in terms of, uh, training camps and, and and travel for these uh, international tournaments that we play, um, but they do they do give us some recognition in the sense that uh, you, you know our accomplishments that we have as we go to these tournaments uh, we get some social media support. Um, a lot of the athletes have been welcoming. Uh, we don't have an official seat on the athletes council, but they've been very open to allowing me to to be a part of that process and engage with the athletes. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, getting a chance to get our message out through a louder voice, if you will. So um, that's that's been very opening and welcoming on that level. But uh, obviously, the dream would be to become an extended national team where we're, we're fully backed by uh, U.S. soccer.
0: What is the holdup there uh, in terms of having uh deaf soccer and, and the deaf national teams be a part of the ex- extended national team programs? Uh, why, why isn't, why hasn't this happened already? Um, is I guess my first question. And what is the holdup in terms of procedures to, to making this uh, a reality? Uh,
1: it's an excellent question. We've asked it many times ourselves. <laughs> um and uh, I'll try to give you the best answer I can. Um, it it kind of depends on who you ask. Um, but, uh, um, you know, we, we are not um, under the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee. Uh, we're under the Deaf Sports Federation. And so um, there's an, an act that was a, a congressional act called the Ted Stevens Sports and Amateur Act that uh, requires any national governing body uh, for an Olympic sport to support uh, the Paralympics as well. Um, it, 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 there are rumors as to whether it, it, the draft version included Deaflympics, which would have been uh, a blessing for us if it had uh, in the final version, um, and uh, it, it didn't. Um, and so we will kind of cast out on the side a little bit there. Um, deafness isn't quite uh as noticeable a disability as, as some of the other disability soccer groups that are out there uh just just from from watching uh, visually you can't tell if someone's deaf necessarily um and uh fifa has not formally recognized us though so they've uh, acknowledged kind of the deaf sports world and acknowledged kind of uh you, you know the, the the different tournaments, the Deaf World Cup and the the Deaflympics. So, because the Olympic bodies and the FIFA body hasn't formally recognized us, there's been no push for U.S. soccer to formally recognize us. It's not to say what's they can't do it. They they can. Um, it's just a question of um, getting in front of the right people and 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 getting enough of those right people to agree that this is the right right step. Uh, from their perspective, uh, they have um, they have to be careful, too, because if someone just decides, hey, we're going to be a, a, a national team, please add us to the extended national team budget and line, you, you know, for example, I'm making this up, but if there was a senior national team, the 65 and like you see senior uh, golfers in the senior tour or tennis tour or whatever the case may be, uh, you know, then all of a sudden some seniors – Pull together a team and decide, hey, we're going to be a national team and go compete in senior World Cups. You need to fund us. It's a, it's a, a little different story. So I think that progress right now is being made around what defines an extended national team. Um, the, there is no written definition, though the teams that have fit into that category have kind of checked the FIFA box or the uh, uh, Olympic committee box, if you will. So Uh, We're fighting. We're working on it. And uh, we hope that uh, at some point in the near future, we'll be a part of that program. Because I know there's a lot of uh, folks within U.S. soccer um, across their entire federation, as well as particularly within the Athletes Council, who would love to see that that happen for us.
0: So, in terms of a a procedure within the federation, have you been told what the actual process would be for the deaf uh, national team programs to be officially officially recognized and welcomed into the extended national team program? Is this a bylaw change? I'm assuming rather than uh, a policy change, uh, is it is it a decision by the board? Have you have you gotten any specific direction in terms of the process? of how uh, the deaf national teams uh, would be included and added to the extended national team program?
1: We have not been given kind of the legal map on how to formally do that. Uh, Greg Fike, uh, who kind of helped us become uh, a member of U.S. Soccer Federation five years ago, um, has, has said that he would be willing to help us figure out that map uh but we don't we don't have that map yet no we've 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 been asking for that
0: all right greg if you're watching um <laughs> you you know that you got a phone call to make um uh i talked i spent some time talking to greg at the uh u.s soccer agm and uh just about some different issues and and picking his brain and uh and and he was uh uh, a good sport about uh my uh my devil's advocate positions in my uh my uh probing to try to figure out you know process uh you know he, he he understands the u.s soccer governance and rules uh so well so i was trying to pick his brain about different scenarios for different uh organizations or uh you know Maybe a restructuring uh, of different rules or bylaws, policies, et cetera. So, uh, you're talking to the right guy, uh, within the federation. Uh, so maybe we just, we need uh, to, to prod him along in, uh, and, and, helping you guys, uh, navigate that process. Uh, you got up and spoke at the U.S. Soccer AGM, and I felt like it was a very moving, uh, moment, um, from the floor of the AGM, uh, talking about your program and your teams in in representing uh, you know, the U S, uh, USA deaf soccer association, um, and, and just kind of sharing, you know, the, the status of your program and, and your wishes for the program. Um, what was the response, uh, you received from, uh, you know, members of the federation who were present at the AGM, uh, in terms of, you know, the things that you said and, and, you know, were they aware, were some of them aware of, of, uh, the issues that you guys are dealing with and 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 what was their response you know to to that moment uh
1: generally speaking everybody was was interested in helping out um and uh kind of came came by after the the meeting there and, and and said you know um good luck in in your your upcoming events and um i know uh there were a handful of folks that that we're a little curious as to why we weren't already uh, a part of the extended national team um, platform that U S soccer has. Um, Cause that's our, that's our goal right now is to, to become a part of that extended national team platform and, and qualify for some of those uh, funds that they set aside to support those programs. Um, but uh, you know, so a couple of good things actually trans trans, um, transferred down the road for us uh, after that speech. Uh, someone from, uh, I think it's a Las Vegas Lights. Uh, I can't remember the exact club name. I think it's a, a UPSL club that's out in Las Vegas. Uh, general manager attended the AGM and immediately put us in contact uh, or put his deaf player in contact with us rather. Uh, so we've got a, a, a very talented, uh, I think it's a 21 or 22 year old kid that uh, is going to attend the next U.S. Deaf men's national team tryout, uh, which that kind of a level of a player is someone who will probably immediately compete for a starting position on our team. So um, getting our word out was valuable. And uh, Generally speaking, the response from the members has been nothing but support and positivity.
0: So in, in regards to getting the um, – the next step, you know, in terms of making that progression into part of the extended national teams, if there was a, uh, a U.S. soccer member, uh, maybe someone in the audience, maybe someone listening to this show, watching this show, um, how could they help you? How could they get involved and help uh, U.S. Uh, deaf soccer and the and, and, and the men's and women's national teams and, and help you guys? Um, it, maybe it's, it's becoming a part of the extended national team program. Maybe it's just helping from, from, a you know, volunteer, uh, or fundraising standpoint. How how can they get involved to help you guys, uh, continue to, to accomplish your mission?
1: Yeah, we've got a couple of different ways to, that, that, that we, we look for, uh, um, obviously uh, getting, becoming a part of the extended national team would help cover a, a big burden on our end which has always been the financial aspect of it. Um, If if folks are interested in supporting us financially, we've got a website uh, www.usdeafsoccer.com and and you can find out more information on our program and make donations that way. Um, But there's other ways to help too. So, um, you know, a lot of clubs uh, don't know about us. And so spreading the word about who we are, spreading the word to players, whether they're hearing or deaf is valuable because If a hearing player knows of a deaf player, they're able to identify that player and and, uh, put them in touch with our um, online platform or through email, whatever it is. Uh, So raising our player pool has been a a big push on our end. Um, And then uh, there's ways to host us, too. We train all over the country a couple times a year. Um, So we've had clubs uh, in the USL. We've had MLS clubs that have hosted us. We've had local clubs uh, that have, have offered to host us and just provide facilities or, or hospitality or meals or uh, equipment, training equipment, whatever the case may be. Uh, we're, we're always looking for uh, those opportunities because, as I mentioned, everything is funded by the players and their networks um, to, to, to make this thing run uh, And until we have a, a deep pocket sponsor or partner that can help us. Do that. We, we we rely on the volunteers and the the soccer community, um, grassroots community, to to kind of help us with that.
0: In terms of the Ted Stevens Act, um, you know that is that the the big kind of sports. Uh, governing act in this country especially when it comes to the the sport of soccer um, it has a, has a big influence uh, through the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee we you know we talked a little bit about this in terms of you know its uh, impact of not having deaf soccer as part of the extended national team program in and, and the Olympic situation because it's not actually inside of the Ted Stevens Act if there was a, a senator and in, in, in or you know a a representative um who who wanted to um you know take another look at the ted stevens act and and finding some improvements um in in terms of you know getting uh deaf soccer uh, as 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 part of that that amateur sports act and and getting um you know I guess uh, a way for you guys to kind of, uh, be included, uh, with, with that whole process a little easier. Uh, what, what people would they want to or need to try to get in touch with is it is it com? is it people there like how would they if there was somebody from one of those senators offices or whatever and of course like right now everything's crazy with the coronavirus and they're just trying to keep the world afloat and in, in the in the country afloat um but you know when this settles down we we get back to to real life and normal life in in terms of day-to-day activity um, I, I think there's a, an opportunity for uh, this Ted Stevens Act to get revisited and 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 revised and reformed. It has been in the past. Um, what recommendations would you have there in terms of getting uh, U.S. Uh, deaf soccer I- included or or part of that conversation?
1: That, that would be um, a. a a wish for us, a dream, if we could become a part of that Ted Stevens Act. Um, it, and it's actually, it's at a higher level than the, than the soccer level. It would be at the U.S. Deaf Sports Federation level, which oversees all of the different deaf sports in our country uh, that sends teams to their various uh, Pan American Games and World Championships and Deaf Olympics. So, um, yeah, if, if we're, there's a line in that act that talks about um, how, The NGB for that particular Olympic or Paralympic sport, so in in soccer's case, that would be USSF, uh, is kind of mandated and required to support the Olympic and Paralympic teams. Um, Obviously, if we included Deaflympic in that line, then uh, that would put a little bit more pressure on uh, the various NGBs, um, USA Basketball, USA Hockey, U.S. Soccer, uh, to to step up in their support of the various deaf sports that wear the red, white, and blue and represent our country and go through the exact same training (laughs) programs and competitions and sacrifices that, that you see from the folks on TV. So Um, That would be tremendous if we could become a part of that uh, Ted Stevens Act and uh, would welcome any conversation uh, with with senators or or representatives and um, Deaf Sports Federation has a website as well. So uh, USA Deaf Sports Federation, you can find that online and and get in touch with the board members at that group as well.
0: In terms of your career, um, you, you've you've been playing um, with the the deaf men's national team uh, for a while, and you're the cat the cat the current captain. Um, w- looking at your career and, in kind of a, a bit of nostalgia here uh, for the audience, um, you know, what do you, what are you most proud of with your career and, and how do you, how do you see your career going forward uh, with, with the, the U S uh, deaf men's national team?
1: Um, I'm, I'm first and foremost, just proud to have been a part of it, be, uh, be, be able to, to wear the red, white, and blue, uh, go represent my country, uh, on a, on a world stage. Um, I've I've had the opportunity to meet just some really fantastic and interesting teams and people, um, been all over the world, been to Melbourne, Australia, Taipei, Taiwan, got to shake the, uh, the president of Taiwan's hand, uh, part of the Deaf Olympic opening ceremonies, uh, ordeal there where U S soccer played Ireland in the first, deaflympic sporting event for that that uh deaflympics um had a chance to go to venezuela we just got back from chile in november uh where a a long time dream of mine which was just winning a medal for our our men's national team program uh was finally achieved We we won uh the gold medal uh in chile uh by beating brazil mexico argentina and chile uh probably something no other u.s soccer team at any level can say they've done uh 4-0 back-to-back against those countries so uh very very proud of of, of that uh obviously my uh my my chapters are are few uh given my age right now and, and that's a good thing because we've got some young talent that are we're stepping up we've got uh, a young player from uh, the idaho nationals program up in idaho that actually we found him through through an agm event as well when his state representative uh put us in touch a uh, guy by the name of bill taylor there um you know so he's a young kid that's stepping into the fold we've got this other young kid in vegas that we're excited about um and i know uh um my time as captain is probably up as well we've talked to talk to the coaches who sent me out of the last game in uh chile and uh we've identified a center back on our team who's been a, a solid player his name's will france uh he's also a board member so very involved in the organization and has been a part of it since i think 08 uh when we went to the deaf world cup in in greece uh so excited about his his opportunity as captain um and for me the last the last two events on my end are going to be uh, the South Korea Deaf World Cup, which uh, we're waiting to hear more information on due to coronavirus and that whole deal. But uh, it's scheduled to be in September uh, of this year. And then the uh, Deaflympics next year in December, which are being held in, in Brazil. So um, the, 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 the highlight has obviously been wearing the red, white and blue, but it's also seeing the impact that. Uh, this sport has had on the deaf athletes around the world uh, and around our country. Some of the folks that we've had on our team uh, have never even traveled out of state. And uh, when you see the look on their face, when they get a chance to go uh, go down to Chile and, and, and play for their country, it is nothing but joy and pride. And uh, these kids work really hard at uh at representing their country to the best they can. And so uh, we're a very proud program. Uh, It's a very close-knit program. Everyone's family stays in touch uh, very well, uh, even though we don't train as often as we'd like to. Um, And uh, I can't wait to see what the the future generation brings to the program as more and more people get involved and help raise awareness and and grow our player pool, both on the men's side and the women's side. So, uh, but uh, yeah, very, very excited future.
0: Well, Trip, thanks uh, for coming on the show and uh, and and kind of talking uh, about the program. How can how can people learn more information and uh, and and obviously connect with the Deaf National Teams? Follow uh, you guys in terms of it, your tournaments and your your matches, your competitions, etc.
1: Yeah, we try to centralize everything on our website, so uh and uh, we've got social media handles across most of our platforms, which you can find on our website, so that's Twitter and Instagram and, and those sorts of things, uh, Facebook, um, and that's, that's probably the, the best resource to, to stay up to date in terms of what we have going on um, with both programs, the Women's Deaf National Team and the Men's Deaf National Team, and then hopefully in the future we'll be able to grow a youth deaf national team uh, to compete Uh, in the Youth Deaflympics that's uh, coming down the road and then uh, grow uh, our player pool for our national team program that way.
0: Well, fantastic stuff. Uh, best of luck with that as well. Look forward to having you back on again soon to talk about some of that project, uh, as that sounds uh, pretty exciting as well. Trip, thanks for your service uh, to the country and, le- and captaining our, our U.S. Uh, deaf Men's National Team, and, and best of luck. Uh, hope those events uh, stay on the calendar for you so you can go out with a bang uh, later this year.
1: Uh, thank you, Dan, for having me on and for providing this fantastic opportunity and platform to to share uh, about our nonprofit organization and uh, give us a louder voice than we have. So really, really, really appreciate you doing that for us.
0: Appreciate it. Uh, anytime, anytime. Thanks for coming on the show. Take care. Right, bye. That is Trip Neal, captain of the U.S. Deaf Men's National Team. We'll be right back after this.
2: No one, no man, no woman, no child should ever have to drink green water with bugs, with algae, with disease in it. Bad water and a lack of toilets kills more people than all the wars in the world. We know how to bring clean drinking water right now to every single person on earth. And when you can bring water into communities it truly
0: Thanks for watching. Thanks to uh, Trip Neal for joining the show. Appreciate it. Uh, look forward to, to following uh, his uh, end of his career, as he, as he talked about there at the end, as he looks to wrap up with um, captaincy and also his playing career with the Deaf Men's National Team. You can learn more about uh, USA Deaf Soccer at usdefsoccer.com. Thanks for watching. We'll see everyone again tomorrow.